Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. I'm really excited to dive into this sales series. We have an expert today who covers a topic that I think a lot of us know we really need to pay more attention to, but it's a little intimidating, so it often gets push to the back burner. So I'm hoping that on today's call, you guys get, you know, this topic is demystified and you can start making some progress on it. And maybe it doesn't seem quite as daunting as you thought it was. So the topic is SEO. And today we have Gleneth Reed from the Visibility Method. Gleneth, thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to your audience. Yes. Yes. And she's great. Like she has a very similar audience. So a lot of ladies, business owners, um, all over the place. So this will be, this will be a great conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about Glenis. So she's an SEO Google ads and online marketing expert who works with small business owners and online entrepreneurs. Her goal is to help your business get visible on Google so you can attract new customers and become more profitable. She lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, and her hobbies include weightlifting, go girl, (laughs) online shopping, and all things tech and gadgets. So thanks again, Gleneth. And you do, we were were chatting a few minutes ago about your background. You do have um, really kind of covered the bases in your career on the marketing front. So kind of done the technical writing side, the ad side, project managing. Tell us a little bit about how that progressed and what really led you to say, I want to stake my claim on SEO. (laughs) So I actually have a degree in computer science and a degree in English with a technical writing concentration. Okay, And I feel like until I started doing this, I wasn't really doing what I intended all along. Um, You know, moving from job to job and just doing different things in marketing and sales and customer forwarding. But I started working for a company and it was a financial services company. And I knew I wasn't going to be there for long. And when I left, I'm like, I want to do something online. You know, online was just Mm -hmm. picking up. It was about 12 years ago. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. And I actually went to a conference with the entire goal of getting a job. Like that was my goal for the conference. Two weeks later, I was working for a man whose wife I was sitting beside at the conference. And he owned an internet marketing company that handled local businesses. They did SEO, Google ads, and websites. Okay. And 
five years ago, I bought the business and rebranded it to my own. Wow. So I didn't, I didn't know about SEO then. I didn't really, you know, know how websites were built, but I got in and I learned it all. And he (laughs) and I really hit it off. And he's like, I want to retire. Do you want to buy the business? And I'm like, yes. Wow. Wow. That's a cool, cool backstory there. Okay. So I have to ask weightlifting. That's, that's ambitious. How long have you been a weightlifter? Do you compete? Is this just for health? Like, it's both for mental health and physical health I've probably been lifting weights on and off for 10 or 12 years now maybe a little longer I had intentions of doing a mini powerlifting competition at the end of the year but they canceled it Mm. um I bench press is my favorite I tend to I'm extremely clumsy and tend to have some kind of injury at any moment in fact, I am a VIP with my physical therapist because I just, Uh-oh. he's like, what did you do now? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just getting old. Fix it. Um, but I love weightlifting. Like it really makes you feel powerful. You can see the increments and it's just, you know, both for physical health, but also mental health to get out there and do something and go, okay, I did this today. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. We actually had uh, on the show a few episodes ago, someone who was talking about email marketing and she's also into weightlifting. So, Hey, more women in weightlifting. That's cool to see. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, kind of diving into a little bit SEO, can you just define that? First of all, what does it stand for? What is it? Um, So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And what it is, is it's making your website optimized so that search engines like Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever, can find the content that you are putting on your site. And there's so many things that go into it, but ultimately that's it. Now, Pinterest is actually a search engine. A lot of people used to refer to it as social media. It still shows up for that under analytics, but Pinterest is actually a search engine and you optimize your pins. So you can be optimizing different things for different search engines. I really specialize in optimizing websites for Google. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's definitely some different tendrils there. You can kind of, you know, explore. So when it comes to, you know, small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. What are, when it comes to websites, I guess we'll start there. What are the most important factors to improve your SEO? What are, you know, maybe the main topics, some of the terminology and like the most critical factors? The most critical factors right now are site speed and performance. Google wants sites loading in 2.5 seconds or under, and they want that for a mobile device. They are prioritizing mobile first because more than 60% of most websites see the majority of mobile visits. Even if you think that people aren't visiting on a mobile, they are because everybody has their mobile in their hand. If Mm -hmm. they're standing in line waiting and they're searching for something, if they're at their kid's soccer game, 
typically they're going to go to their phone and they're going to go to Google and they're going to be searching for something. So Google's customer per se is that person who is typing in the search query and they want them to have the best possible experience. So content, you know, absolutely content is king. You've got to have content as well. But right now, lately in the past couple of years, Google's really pushing a focus on performance and site speed especially as it entails with mobile sites. Okay. In terms of performance, what, you know, if your site speed, first, I guess, what would be, how do you test your site speed to see what it is? So, and I will say that I love Google because Google wants something, they're going to give us the tools to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Like they're not just going to put it out there and go, just guess. (laughs) So Google search console has lots of different analytics on it that tell you how your core web vitals, meaning your performance vitals are performing. They also have a site called page speed insights for developers that you can put your website in and it tells you, okay, you score this number on mobile, this number Mm -hmm. on desktop, and here's the things that you need to fix. Like they are telling you this. Now, the number one thing that I see on most sites is large images, Mm -hmm. especially for people whose website is three or more, three years or older, I would say, or people who have done a ton of blogging years ago, maybe their sites had two or three different migrations. We used to, and some people still do, they take a photo on their iPhone or their DSLR, or they create an image from Canva and just immediately upload it to the website. And that's actually the worst thing you can do. Mm, Okay. What should you do? (laughs) What you should do is optimize it for SEO And when we're talking about performance, that means resizing it and making it smaller. Normal pictures on a website, and I don't mean the hero banners, you Mm -hmm. know, your main website image, but a normal photo on the website should not be over 150 kilobytes on your website. An average iPhone photo is 3.6 megabytes. Okay, so so you really have to (laughs) do some work. If you put 12 of those on a site, you're really starting to slow it down. Mm -hmm. Now you look at people who have tons of content and tons of photos. I, I mean, I've given customers lists of here's your 800 photos that are over 150 (laughs) kilobytes. Let's see what we can do about fixing this. Because that right there is slowing it down. Um, And so that's really, that's what I always concentrate on first because it's an easy fix. There are going to be some things that nobody can fix because it's the code. Mm. You know, if you're on a Squarespace site, Mm -hmm. you can't fix the Squarespace code that's slowing it down. Same for Shopify and different things. You know, depending on what platform your site's on, WordPress, one of the reasons I really love WordPress is because it's a self-hosted site, you can move to different servers. So you could put it on a faster server to help you increase site speed. You can't do that with other platforms. So there's little ways around that, but the thing that you can most control are the images going on your site. And is there a tool that you really like to help compress images? Yes, and Google created, I'm telling you, Google is fantastic (laughs) because they came out with this tool because they're like, Hey people, your, your images are too large and it's called squish.app. 
it's <laughs> online. Like it's not a web thing. You just go to the browser, type in squish.app and you upload your old photo and it tells you how big it is. And then over here you have some options for resizing and it'll tell you how small it is and you can just hit save. And I've had a ton of graphic designers look at it and try it with some really high quality images. And they're like, yeah, that works. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So and it, again, Google's your friend. <laughs> Google is your friend. And the thing to remember also is an image for the web does not have to be as high quality as mm -hmm. for print. You know, right. obviously I would not be telling you this if you're going to print it or have it on a flyer, that would be a separate photo. Use that high resolution photo does not need to be that way for mm -hmm. the web. But That's a lot of people, so you know, they, they get in a hurry. They want to save time. I, I have been guilty of this as well. You know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to stick it up there. It won't matter. It will ultimately, you know, if not today, at some point it's going to matter. So even if you have 850 large ones right now, at least start putting smaller optimized images on your site moving forward. Well, it's just interesting because I feel like we're so accustomed to people requesting, give me high res. I want high res. So I think we always just assume high res is better. High res is what we want, but it sounds like not when it comes to, especially mobile. And you're right. I mean, everybody uses mobile. Yeah. Everybody is on their mobile phone and most people, you know, depending on what you do and the type of site, but they're really coming on it for content. You know, think people search for information, for education, to learn how to do something. Um, people search for pictures, maybe for photographers and everything. Mm -hmm. And I get that. But same goes to them. You all have gorgeous photos, but you don't need the high res on your website. You know, yeah. it's okay. When your client comes to see you or if you want to send them a link to a Dropbox, make those a high res. They won't notice the difference on a website, but they will notice if it takes 15 seconds to load right. because they will have jumped off. And yeah. if your competitors loads faster and has, you know, if you have two websites and one loads faster than the other and they're equal content and equal SEO, guess which one Google's going to show first? Mm -hmm. Guess which is going to have the higher ranking? Good point. Good point. And it has nothing to do with content, just the speed. That is wild. Um, but kind of moving on to content and, you know, whether it's different header tags or the way, you know, with snippets and, and getting ranked. I mean, I mean, you could probably talk for days and weeks about, about all that, but what would you say are kind of the most important things for, your, you know, services page, your um, blog posts or, or that content that is more likely to get searched by yeah. your audience. So if we're talking about pages like your homepage, your services pages, the two most important things there are the title tag, which is what shows in the browser, but it's not really for people. That's for Google. And then the meta description and the meta description is what shows underneath your URL on a search result page. So the title tag, I this will show how old I am. I think of the title tag like the little index card catalog at the library. And mm -hmm. I always think of it as Google's going in going, okay, they searched for this. Let me go through all these little index cards mm -hmm. and find who has it. 
if you have home dash your site name, you've literally given Google nothing. They mm -hmm. have no idea. Title tags should be formed as keywords. What is your ideal potential client searching for? You do not need your business name and the title tag because if they know your business name, they already know you and they know how to find you. This is for people who don't know you. And then the meta description, while not actually a ranking factor, is what will entice people to click on your site because it's what they read to see, is this page what I'm looking for? If you leave it blank, Google's just going to pull sentences from your website and there's no telling what's going to show up. <laughs> so, you know, don't, don't do that. Tell them you get a certain number of characters, just a little blurb about what that page is about. So that's your home and your services pages. If we're doing blogs, then we want to make sure, you know, not only the title tag and the uh, meta description, but also a lot of headers and the blog title. Um, I've worked with tons of fitness people in the past, and a lot of them would do these posts like, what I ate Wednesday. Your ideal client is not searching <laughs> what I ate Wednesday. You know, your ideal client is searching for how do I get more fit or mm -hmm what is strength training, you know, and that needs to be your title for the blog. That needs to be your URL. Um, and when we talk about URLs, like tips for runners is what I usually use, you know, we want the URL to be whatever your website domain is slash tips dash for dash runners. I've seen some people who take out the dashes. Google can't read that. Google can read dashes. Google knows those are three separate words. Without the dashes, Google sees that as one word. And that helps. Okay. Oh, good. Now to kind of change gears a little bit to social media, um, how does your social media factor into SEO for your brand? So with social media, you know, when you're sharing your blog post or your website pages, and people come to your page and they stay on it and they read the page and maybe they see multiple other pages, that's going to help Google know that that site is quality for that subject. It's adding to the authority. You know, let's say you shared it on your social media and somebody went on there and just immediately clicked off. Google's going to think, oh, well, maybe that's not really what that person was looking for. So you've got a chance for sharing. And then also as people are on your site, this is my number one pet peeve. I read a lot of blogs, a ton of blogs. I will go and I will read a blog post and it'll be great. And like, I really like to share to Twitter. Um, there will be no social sharing buttons at all. Mm -hmm. Or I like to share it to my own Pinterest board so I can remember it. If you don't have social sharing buttons on your blog, how you're not letting your audience share it with others. How are they getting okay. out the message? And a lot of people do like to share to different social media platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Facebook, all of those. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the buttons, you don't even get that chance yeah. for it to be shared. And you never know who might share it. Yeah. So that's really, you know, don't discount. And it's, you know, there's so many different plugins. Every web platform has social sharing buttons. Don't turn them off. Mm -hmm. Make them very visible. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and ask for the share. You can always ask for the share at the bottom of an article. Did you enjoy this? Feel free to forward or share to your favorite social platform so others can read it. Yeah. You know, it's just a simple statement. Will most people do it? No. Will some people do it? Yes. And can it help you? Absolutely. Good point. Good point. Um, and, and I know also just with social media, a lot of times if I'm Googling someone's name, the search results will just show their either dependent on the platform post or at least their profile. So again, I know this is an area where we could really dive into a bunch of weeds, but, but just kind of some of those high level things to, to think about that matter for people who don't know you or, or maybe they heard you on a podcast or they discovered you somewhere and they want to Google you and um, what matters when it comes to your social media profiles and the way they show up with SEO. Exactly. So I think people should know when they Google your, your social media, they should be able to find your business name, but also your name, especially online. People do business with people. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then you want to make sure I always tell people with Facebook ads, Facebook ads are great. They can be very beneficial but remember people are scrolling quickly and they may just catch snippets so they may just catch your business name well if that's all they can remember they're going to go to google if they type in your business name can they find you because there are those people who don't even rank for their own name or don't show up for their name and have never checked mm. um so that's really important. Or if you've called your course something, mm -hmm. can they find it again in Google? Don't, you know, you're spending all this time and money creating a course and these landing pages that are huge. Optimize the landing page, make it searchable, make mm -hmm. it indexable by Google because somebody out there is not on social media. You know, course creators seem to think that their entire audience is on social media and that's just not true. There is a large percentage of the world who's not on social media, but they use search engines. Sure. And they sense. could be your potential client. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a very good point. Um, what what other, you know, aside from your main site and you've brought up landing pages and social media. Um, are there any other really big places where you need to think about your SEO? I would say your website is number one, like yeah. make sure your website and then just any other, you know, if you're doing landing pages in like Kartrek or Kajabi, they have those options. I mean, they're not that visible. You have to go search for them. I know because I've searched for them on all the platforms, but they have the same things where you can do the titles, you can do the meta descriptions, mm -hmm. you can say it's indexable or not indexable, make it indexable. Even if you're not running it at the moment, make it indexable and you have it go into a waitlist page because the thing to remember is just because you hit publish, doesn't mean that Google's indexed it that day. And it certainly doesn't mean that you're going to rank that day. Rankings take time. And when I say time, I mean, we could be three, six, nine, 12 months. Right. Um, what, what are we in? We're in at the end of September. So Halloween's coming up. You know, if you post something about 31 Halloween costumes on the 15th of October, 
people going to Google to search that probably aren't going to find you because you've not given Google enough time. Now, had you done it three months ago or six months ago, gotten it in, you'd be giving Google time to index it and get it going up in the search engines for where people, when it comes time for it, are searching for it. Yeah, that is such a good point. This is this is something you have to think ahead and and the longer you put it off, the longer you're going to have to wait and those results it, take a while. You know, your content plan and so many people, you know, make these complex content plans for social media, but you need to be doing the same thing for your website and you need to go even further back. You need to be thinking like 3 to 6 months ahead of doing stuff to give it time to get indexed. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, and then, then just also another aspect of all of this is link building and, you know, people talk about backlinks and building those. So can you talk a little bit about that? And then also maybe kind of reputation management and how that kind of plays a part. So honestly, unless you are already excelling at site speed, performance, on-page content, blogging, and all of that, you do not need to be worried about link building. Like it is just not something that you should be concentrating on. And people have convinced everybody that it is, that you have no chance of ranking without it. And I beg to differ. I say you can rank really well. One, because let's remember, Google is really smart. And you've got a lot of people who are well, I'll write a post for you and link to you if you write a post for me and link to me. Yeah, Google sees that. They know that. Now, neither of those links matter. Doesn't matter. You may get a link from somebody else whose site performs so poor that it's actually a detriment to your site or it's a very spammy site that's linking to you. So honestly, that's like so far down my list, most of my clients, mm. we don't even ever get there. We're focused site speed, performance, on-page optimizations, and content. Yeah, And just keeping all of that up and making Google happy, seeing what Google's saying, you don't have to have links to rank. Yeah. And well, certainly don't pay for them. <laughs> um, I think something else for people to remember is anything you put up online, whether it's social media or your website, you have to kind of think in two ways. Cause like you said, with, with meta descriptions and title tags, you're not, you need to think through not just your audience who's Googling you and reading that page. You're thinking about, um, AI <laughs> that has an algorithm and that's, different. And so you kind of have to split your mind into thinking, okay, yes, I need to be focused on what people are going to see, but that's different than what Google focuses on and kind of have yeah. those distinctions as you create content or even for link building, you're right, because what's important to Google versus your audience who's Googling your name, they may want to see some of those links and that may be a factor to them. But in terms of how is Google going to rank you is very different. So it's yeah. kind of keeping both of those in mind. Some things matter for the people who already know to search for your name versus people who are just searching for a problem. And you have to keep in mind both 
how is Google going to view this? And how is my audience going to view this? So, and you're, you know, you're really doing all this for those people who don't know you yet, for those people who are trying to find you. And I always tell people, especially when it comes to blogging, that I like to think of it, and this may be the English major in me, I like to think of it as writing a paper because, you know, we're we're Mm -hmm. working around a key phrase, you know, you're ranking for a phrase that people are searching for. Well, if you just use that phrase one time on a page, Google's not going to know that that's what that page is about because think of how many other times you use one phrase in that page. So it's like doing an English paper. You open up your blog with, this is what I'm going to talk about. You end the blog with, this is what I told you about, your conclusion. And the middle is the content. However, you break it down with headings and sections and bullets. And you want to remember that people don't read as much as they skim. So breaking it up with the headings, having lists, making some words bold or italics or something to keep people's attention, keep them on the page. But then doing those things like headings is telling Google, okay, this is an important key phrase right here. Mm -hmm. Um, And headings should not be like who, what, when, where, why. Mm. You know, that's it. If you're, again, doing tips for runners, five ways to run faster, five shoes to help foot problems, you know, things like that, things that actually correspond to your key phrase. Mm-hmm. not generic, you know, first, second. I've seen some people do intro. That's, you don't need to put intro, but you just need mm. to think about writing that way because that's what people are. Okay, I, you know, if they get to the page, they're immediately going to read. Make sure they know what they're getting ready to read about. It's for them and for Google. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Google analytics. So if people want to start taking a look at results and, and what is happening, I know there's this move from, you know, to GA four. So people who are looking into analytics might see that start to pop up, I guess, do you know what the differences are or, you know, what are the big things that the people should focus on to get a better sense of, of where they're at, what kind of results they're having? So the current unit, the current analytics is referred to as universal analytics. And the code actually starts with UA. The new analytics is GA4, which is really funny because now some people are like, well, in GA3, no, it's not three. It's it's universal analytics. It's confusing. (laughs) It it really is. Um, And I will tell you that the SEO community is not very accepting of the new GA4. Because there's actually some limitations and some things that we all really like to see in analytics that just aren't there yet. Mm. And I'm hoping by the time it's truly 100% the only thing you get, they can find it. Here's what I think people need to be looking at. You need to be looking at where your traffic is coming from. Direct, the people who know you. Organic, the people who are coming from search engines. Social, obviously social platforms, referrals, they're coming from other sites, paid, maybe you're running Google ads. So you look and you say, okay, well, where's my traffic coming from? What kind of quality is the traffic? You know, how many pages per session, time on site? But then here's the thing to really look at. Look at your social versus your organic. 
Hmm. And then go into your social and see which social platforms are driving the most traffic. If you're trying to do all the social platforms, my guess is you're not being successful at any of them. Mm-hmm. Pick the one or two where your ideal audience mostly is and the ones that you like the best. I mean, obviously, I don't think you should be on a platform if you don't like it. But you do need to think about where your ideal audience is coming out and maybe just focus on those two. But I'm willing to bet you're actually getting more traffic from organic to begin with. And that if you've got conversions set up, that organic is converting better. But yet then think about why are you spending all your time, money, and marketing dollars on social? Okay. You know, I, I think you really need to sit and compare and say, what is working best for me? Mm-hmm. And am I actually working to improve it? Because I see so many people going, oh, I spend so much money on Facebook and this and this. And I'm like, it's not bringing you any traffic. Well, I keep trying. Well, why? Why? You know, I'm like, but did you notice, you know, I'll even say, but did you notice how well Instagram's doing? Oh, well, maybe we want to concentrate there. You know, if one Mm -hmm. platform isn't performing, maybe go all in on the other one for a quarter and see how that can do. I actually did that with myself, like. Facebook just wasn't really working. And I started focusing on Instagram and I'm like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. but also I know that organic brings me more traffic. I have one of my clients now and I said to him, how'd you find me? And he's like, I just searched for an SEO person. You popped up. So I hired you. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, so that's good. So, um, so to get into GA4 for people who are, maybe they haven't gone in there, like how, how do you go about that? And do you need so, to, you know, focus on setup? Are there things that you can find before you start customizing and tweaking things? Or is that kind of the starting point? So with GA4, it's essentially the same way as setting up universal analytics, okay. but most likely you already have universal analytics and it'll let you add like a second property as GA4 onto it. So okay. you're essentially running double, like it's mm. not doubling your metrics, but like I can go in and I can look at my universal analytics right now. And as of a few months ago, I set up GA4. So I could go in and look at that. I'll be real honest. I'm not a fan of GA4. I <laughs> Universal analytics has it laid out better. Some okay. of the reporting, some of the, you know, what, which of your content is doing best? Look at your top 10 pages. Is there anything in there that's surprising? Do we need to be optimizing? Do we need to write more content around that? Um, And that's just in general, regardless of which analytics you're looking at, use those metrics. Um, I see so many business owners come to me and we want, they want to start working with me and I'm like, okay, I need access to your analytics. Do you have analytics on your site? Yes. And they give me access and it's never had any data. Like, mm. they, oh, well, I guess I didn't set it up correctly. So now, you know, they're three years into the business. There's zero data behind it. Right. You don't, And at that point, you truly don't know what's working. Mm-hmm. It's let's start somewhere and see what happens. Right. So I would encourage everybody listening to this right now. Go to your analytics, make sure it's getting data. Like you should be able to look at a week 
and you should have some users and sessions and page views. And if it's all zeros, just, just call me or not call me, but you know, get on my website and contact me. Let me help you fix this because I, it just, it breaks my heart when these people are like, oh, well, my VA said she set it up or my developer said he mm-hmm. set it up. And I'm like, okay, let's just fix it because you, you can't make those decisions until you can start seeing the data. Right. Well, on that note, to reach Gleneth, she is at thevisibilitymethod.com. And if you want a checklist of some of these things and others that she's been going over, that's thevisibilitymethod.com forward slash product forward slash SEO dash checklist. This will be in the show notes. So you don't have to remember all that. Um, We'll have that linked out for you, or I'm sure it is very easy to find once you go to her website, thevisibilitymethod.com. Lenneth, do you have any, any final piece of advice that we haven't yet covered that you'd like to leave my audience with? I will say go into SEO knowing that it is a long-term game. It is the never ending marathon. (laughs) You are never done. And it's the same for your website. Your website will never be perfect, nor should it be. It's an ongoing, evolving asset for your business that you should be working on monthly or quarterly or every six months and making sure it's up to date and keeping it technologically up to date. You know, don't worry about being perfect. Worry about it being out there. Worry about can your ideal client find you? Can your ideal people find what you have to offer? Because that's ultimately what we're trying to do. And it's going to take time and you just have to be patient. Don't get two or three months in and give up because you're really, you're now just starting to see the results. Right. So good. Well, thank you for just simplifying this and, and giving people a good place to start and check in and be able to improve the results for this. Thanks so much for joining. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And until next week, have a great week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.